today's episode. And for those who have been following the show for a while, uh, we're doing something a little bit different today. We are, uh, if you guys are tuning in on the podcast, if you're listening on Anchor or iTunes, great. Um, but we're actually streaming this right now in the High Ticket Sales Facebook community. We have over 2,600 members. Uh, so while this is streaming at the end, I'm going to try to make some time for Q&A to give value to everybody in the group. Uh, and first and foremost, everyone, welcome to the show. This is the Knowledge Boner Experience. And if you guys are brand new to this podcast, you don't know what this is all about. First of all, what is a knowledge boner? Uh, <laughs> so if you guys have ever had those epiphany, aha, light bulb moments where you've heard the same thing over and over again, and finally it clicks, you get excited. You're like, oh my gosh, that makes complete sense. It's me and my co-host here, Wally Wynn. Everyone here, you guys know Wally. It's our goal to replace that aha light bulb moment with the terminology knowledge boner because that's what it is. And that's what we get excited about is giving you guys the knowledge to be able to execute and have those breakthrough moments. And that's what the show is all about. And very excited for the special guests that we have here today. Uh, for those that were on the show over uh, a year ago, you guys know that we've had Jason Capital. And he actually mentioned this individual on the show. So over a year later, we finally have him here to be able to give value to the community. And everyone, I want to introduce you to Sharon Trevista. Sharon, thanks for being on the show, man. Of course, man. Hey, thanks for having me. And I think uh, people need to realize that you and Wally don't need to do this, right? And uh, you're doing this because you want to curate some great experiences. You want to give back to the community. And it takes a lot of time, effort, and resources to pull stuff like this together. And as people are watching and experiencing this, they should appreciate the effort that goes into putting stuff like this out here. So grateful to be here, excited to excited to create some boner experiences, man. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's already trending, it's trending. Yeah. Um, so first of all, for those who don't know, um, Sharon here, I'm sure he's very humbled about it. I mean, and one of the top questions that we actually get in this group, in this community is right before this interview, uh, I was reading it again and people always ask me about scaling, right? I always ask people, well, you know, what do you want to learn when you come into this community? And a lot of people ask about scaling. And now we actually have a guy on the show who not only scaled something, but took something from 300 million to 3 billion in five years. Uh, and I actually broke down the math on this, <laughs> like, and this is, this is crazy. So that's, that's $540 million per year and $1.5 million per day in the course of five years, you literally 10 X the company. Uh, so, so the first thing I I'm really curious about with this Sharon is scaling something that big. I'd imagine like just the growing pains of loan, right? What was the biggest thing you learned through the process of actually scaling a company from that level to such a big jump in only five years? So the, the interesting part is, right, when you're in the storm, when you're doing it, you don't know that you're doing it, right? The, the, all, all the insights actually come about after a good experience. And what mm -hmm. I want to share with people is uh, don't let that happen to you. Right. That's that's the that's the winning kind of insight here, because if I know what I know now, during the time I was doing all of that, this process would have been way easier, it, it, way easier. And so when I got a chance to stop and look back and say, OK, this is what we did. What was the reasons for it? Then I was able to like kind of dig through and find the insight. So don't let that be you uh, take my pain take my, you know, take, take the struggles that I'll share, take all the stuff that I've tried to do and use that in the front end, as opposed to in the back end of looking back at these experiences. Right? So the first thing I'd say is there's three things that are super important when you want to build an engine of a business to, to get scale. And the first thing is, uh, this is very hard to do. And the first thing is, is having like a belief in the singularity of focus. Singularity of focus drives everything. And the singularity of focus essentially means that in, in a lot of ways that you have one thing that drives the bus one for a lot of people i'd say if your offer for example a lot of people on here doing sales if your offer doesn't convert on cold traffic like you have no offer like it doesn't work right so people are thinking about i need to scale i need to automate i need to do all of that well just like work your you got to dial in your what works first and then uh all every, scale just makes what you have it, you know happen much faster. So if you don't have something that works right now, scale doesn't work. So it should it should be bursting at the seams right now. So singularity of focus is super important for us. Our singularity of focus, we figured out that if we found the right, uh, we were a very sales driven organization. So we said we were not going to scale by a product. We were going to scale by salespeople. 
So we wanted to get very specific salespeople on board who would go hit certain metrics and that would scale the business. So for us, it was a, how can I get, how can I go from having 35 salespeople to having 600 salespeople with the same amount of productivity? That was my goal. So that our singularity of focus became, um, how do I go recruit the best possible salespeople? So it's no different than us saying, how do I go recruit buyers for my product. It's the same exact thing. Like you're going to go recruit buyers for your product. I'm going to go recruit salespeople to come work for it. It's exactly the same thing. There's a recruitment process. So I actually think of um, sales in reverse. I actually think of sales as recruitment. You're recruiting buyers uh, to your story. You're enrolling buyers in your opportunity. When you think of selling, what we think of is I need to have the right pitch. I need to have the right language. I need to have the right cadence. I need to have all of that. But when you flip it and you say, I'm going to recruit them to my mission, I'm going to recruit them to my cause. I'm going to recruit them because their lives going to be better because of me. You take away the pressure of having to convert every single person that you talk to. And that's like the the one lead, one deal mentality is very painful in sales. Oh, I got this lead. I need to convert this deal. Oh, it didn't work because generally we have you know one in five conversions. So maybe the next three will work. That's a really bad attitude. The good attitude is how do I enroll? How do I recruit this person overall? So the number one thing that we should do is a singularity of focus. The second thing for scale is the cadence of accountability. Accountability is super important. And I'll give you a very simple accountability for us. For us, we had at our peak we had 11 sales managers recruiting salespeople on a constant basis because we'd get churned too, right? People would leave as well. And that's totally fine. So all that we did, I'll give you the entire process. All that we did was every, um, every day from 9.45 to 10 a.m., we would have a call with all the sales managers on recruiting. And the call was really simple. And I'll give you guys the exact call. The call was, how many appointments did I have yesterday? How many appointments am I scheduled to have today? So literally we'd go around the room and say, zero, three, four, one, three, eight, eight, three. But you you very rarely will hear a zero, zero, which means I had zero yesterday and I have zero today. Because if you have a zero yesterday and zero today and you have to say that to the group, meaning I had zero appointments yesterday and I have zero appointments today, that's okay. Tomorrow, there's no way you're saying zero, zero again because your peer group, you're going to feel insane pressure because of that, right? I will tell you that that literally, that call, it took us, you know, 12 people. It, it would be like, Archeron, you're up zero, zero. Uh, Wally, you're up three, one. And like my CEO would write all these numbers down. We would like instantly have this insane accountability that I need to go create more appointments because appointments drive agreements for us, right? So that was super important. So that was cadence of accountability. And the third one, I'll tell you this, no scale happens without, without process. And this is the, this is the messy part. Good process drives good results. And if something is, if something even feels like a crack, it will be a glaring fracture when you, when you put more volume through it. Right. So I had all our, all our teams be like, Hey, what's broken, what's broken, what's broken, what could be better? What could be better? So we would, we would take, uh, we literally one department at a time, iron it out one department at a time, iron it out and be ready for scale. And I'll tell you the first thing that we did. Most people, uh, don't do a good job of onboarding a client. They just like, I, I would say your onboarding experience needs to be like it needs to be four seasons like but even if you're selling a even if you're selling a low ticket product your onboarding experience needs to be four seasons like the reason is once you have a four seasons like onboarding experience two things happen the first thing that happens is they you at least got them on board well and they are like okay dylan shared this with me I had this great onboarding experience with Wally. Awesome. I feel like I was not sold a bill of goods. So the the delivery of the promise is really good there, right? The second thing is when a, when the promise has been delivered, one good thing happens. You get more opportunities to mess up. So if every if stuff starts to break, they'll be like, ah, it's okay. Dylan said I would get these three things. They overdelivered in onboarding. This might just be a you know a glitch. I'll let it go a few times, right? That that's a really good good thing that happens. So you get that, and the and and the bonus that you get from all of that is people always think that you get referrals based on results. People are like, "Oh, Dylan talked to me. I got these results. Therefore, I'm going to tell Wally to join the program." No, that's not how it works. Nobody talks about results because everyone's weirded out talking about results. 
what they will talk about is the process of why they engage with somebody right so they people remember how they how when they said yes to you and people remember they're a little skeptical when they're coming on board so they, they remember onboarding all the sales and the referrals for life happens in onboarding and and if you can just nail the onboarding process you literally never have to ask for referrals because their their experience with you is so good that they'll just give you more and more referrals down the road nobody remembers results Nobody, like I will tell you right now, I, I have a bunch of uh, real estate agents that we mentor and they'll actually tell me, you know, hey, I listed Dylan's house for sale. It was a million dollar house, but I got Dylan 1.2 million. I made him $200,000 more. And I'm like, I promise you, he has zero idea that you did that. Zero. Like you couldn't wake him up at night and be like, oh, Sharon got me 200. No, like, no, they do not remember that. What they remember is the shitty stack of 87 papers that you dropped off at their door that they didn't know what they were signing. That's what they remember. So now they're like, well, that was a crappy onboarding experience. I never want to sell real estate ever again. So if you can just fix the onboarding experience, everything else will kind of work a lot better. So again, singularity of focus, cadence of accountability, good process drives good results. Wow. This the, the, I, I wish that I would have known this last year when we were scaling a team of 50 to 60 people and, and productivity was the, the biggest thing. And I'm having so many knowledge boner moments right now, just thinking like, oh my gosh, we could have just incorporated this, this, and this. And that makes so much sense. And, and for those that are tuning in, that's the, the, the one thing, because I've been going back and, and watching a lot of your content on your social media. And the one thing that I love that you do compared to other people is there's no fluff and philosophy. Like I hate going across people's stuff and they just talk about these these high the, like broad subjects but they never tell you something that you can execute and 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 in your messaging you're, you're you're always like everyone says to do this but they never tell you how to do this right and you right. actually give somebody something that they can execute on so so to me that that's something very relatable and i i, I love that you do that and it's very uh it's not as like kind of like you know internet marketing guru -y. it's like hey guys execute this a to z so that that's awesome yeah. Yeah, but you know, people, there's a, there's, and I, I actually don't, I don't hate on people for this. The reason is that, um, I'm, you know, I, I'm an operator, right? Like I, I can, I can pull up my active campaign and show you my email sequences. Like I know which button to press. And you may think, well, why is Sharon doing that? I don't do it, but I set it up. Like I know where it is. I know where it would. So I set it up. Once stuff is set up, and maintenance is easy by our teams, right? But I'm very specific on, hey, this needs to happen. This trigger hits, these two zaps hit, four sequences happen, this goes out, four tags fire. Oh, cool, now I know because then when I'm talking to a client and something breaks, I know where it broke. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, my team, we call it uh, nose in, hands off, Niho, nose in, hands off. I can smell all day, but I can't touch after it's built. But while it's being built, I know everything and, 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 and it's not, it's, but, but people are like, well, how do you know active campaign or how do you know, how do you use Zapier? How do you know how to use these systems or how, well, you have something called a phone, like every night for 30 minutes, I sit there and I watch, like, I, I literally, I'm not joking. I sit there and I watch instructional videos. I, I, I watch like active campaign video. Like last night I watched type form integration with active campaign and I'm like, huh, maybe I'll do a quiz funnel. Who can do it? Oh, great. If I did that, oh, awesome. We can scale that really fast. I'll set it up once. Then I can hand it off to the team. Now I know I can actually execute on an idea that I have. Hmm. If you don't know how to do the how, at least mechanically, it dramatically limits what, like the growth of the why. People's, like, think about this, right? The reason why most people, if you said, hey, I, I want to make, I want to pick a number. I'm just make it easy enough. I want to make $4 million. Well, the reason why most people are like, wow, instantly that freaks them out is because they just don't know how, right? And if you, but if I told you, you need to make $4,000 in the next 18 days, you're like, okay, I've done this before. I, I, I can figure it out because you've done the how. Most people are disconnected from the how. And that's why I think it's super important. Like I really like being a part of the how. I think it's a grind, it's grindy to do that. But I literally know every system. And I don't mean that like that's that's really bad for people will say that's bad for someone like you to know. I'm like, no, it's not. It, it's it the, the op being an operator is good because it allows you to open up on the stuff that you can create. And and we get paid to create stuff, right? And that's mm -hmm. why no, absolutely. So this is a good segue, actually, because a lot of people that you know listen to the show, they all have different goals, right? Four million, four thousand, et cetera. And uh, a couple of years ago, 
Um, you know, you've spoken at HSS twice, uh, at least the two events I've been to. Um, you said something on stage that was very relatable. And I think that causes a lot of entrepreneurs to fall victim to procrastination and confusion. And you said, stop being an influencer whore. Right. And then I was like, wow. I was like, you know what? This guy, he's right. We, we do do this. We follow all these different things and they're, and they're conflicting. Uh, so what, what I wanted to do is first, I'm, I'm, I have you elaborate a little on that. And then afterwards, I want to actually make it fun. And, and I want to actually take two polar opposite things that kind of clash from influencers sure. out there. And I'd love to get your take on it. So, yeah. uh, so, so tell us about the, the whole influencer whore thing and why, why, why your messaging behind that. Well, I think it's super interesting, right? Because, um, there is, I actually am a big fan of what these platforms have done for these various kind of, I'm just going to call them influencers for now. Um, they are getting their message out. They're sharing their story. They're building their brands. And while they're doing that, they're subliminally installing messages in you on how you should buy from them. Like don't for one second think that, you know, there are no, there are no mother Teresa's with a million followers. Like I'll tell you right now, it doesn't exist. Right. It, it's a, um, if you, it, the, the, I am a, if there is an influencer that you follow and you have no idea what they sell, like no idea whatsoever what they sell, no idea. Then I actually care about that person because I, I'm I'm curious because I'm like I can't go to the bio, I can't buy anything. Like it's he's this he or she's making it hard for me. Okay, that's cool because now I'm very curious what this game is, right? Like I I'm, I'm curious what this game is. So there's also what's happening is uh, everyone everyone has herd mentality because they're like, well, if I'm in the internet marketing space, I have to follow. Jason Capital, I have to follow Bader Scullion, I have to follow Dan Locke, I have to follow Grant Cardone, I have to follow Gary Vee. Like, you almost are required, it's a requirement to follow these people. Because otherwise you're like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss out on a random conversation that's happening because I won't have context, which is freaking ridiculous, mm -hmm. right? Because what happens is Grant's agenda today is very different than Gary's agenda today. It's very different than, like they have all different agendas and they're all like installing embedding messages in us, which is, which is fine. I appreciate that as a marketer, I get it. But contextually, what does it do for us, right? So here's how I think about it. I think about influencer stuff. Like I only follow people that I would actually pay to follow. So the reason we all struggle is just because it's free, we allow it to destroy our brains. And that's a really, that's, it's no different than when we go get a, a, a you know, like how many free eBooks and PDF downloads have, do we have in our, in one of our seven Gmail addresses? Like how, like so many, why? Because we we're like, I'm never going to read this, but I, for a FOMO one, I want to get it. And two, I want to see what's in the funnel. And three, I might take a screenshot and save it in a swipe file. And four, I may never use that again. Like no one uses this stuff. I'll tell you, you think it's in your swipe file, but you never use it. And then you wake up in the morning and your newsletters folder has 118 emails. And every day we go and we mark those unread just so we don't want to see it as read every single day. Like I know it, I do it too. Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, and the, and the only, and the interesting part is think about your, think about if, if your feed was your email, like think about that for a second, right? Like it shouldn't be that way. And so my thought process is, um, I want to audit my inner circle. I want to control whose messaging I put in my head based on what I need at that time. And, um, so what I did earlier, like maybe 12 months ago and was, I decided that I actually decided this again, a good example of uh, how it is. Uh, you, you learn the philosophy in retrospect, not while going into it. Right. So I was, I was just, just full honesty, stressed out. I was like, this is ridiculous. My email's blowing up. My phone's blowing up. Now I'm getting text message marketing. My, I like, I got four email addresses. My Slack's blowing up. Like I could literally you know, work Monday through Friday, Wednesday, Monday through Friday and not do any work and just like respond to my notifications. I could just do that. And I said, well, this is kind of sad. Like I've not made any progress at all. So I just cut, I just cut. And I said, the first thing I, I don't want to start deleting apps. I said, before I start deleting apps, can I just unfollow people? So my feed's cleaner. So I decided that 
I would just unfollow people and I would choose one person per month to go deep on. And I thought that if I did that, I would really get the grasp of who they are, why they were built that way, how they made decisions, et cetera. Because I'll give you a quote that's super important that I think about a lot. And I say, you know, good entrepreneurs make good decisions. Great entrepreneurs tell you why they made those decisions. All right. So good entrepreneurs make good decisions. Great entrepreneurs tell you why they made those decisions. And it's important because, um, so I did a, for example, I, I, I'm totally in love with Malcolm Gladwell. I love him as an author. He's an amazing, amazing storyteller. I've seen him live. I never, I never thought, you know, I never thought I like, I love his stories. I love what he's doing. I love his sharing. And so I decided for one month, I would just go deep on Malcolm Gladwell. And so I've, I read a couple of books. Um, I watched like all his YouTube videos. I listened to a bunch of his podcasts. He's got an, his own podcast, which is really great. So I, I would listen to that. But after like the 10th or 11th day, so call it the 11th day of the month, it was pretty amazing. I could literally tell you what he was going to say next. And that is when it totally clicked for me. I was like, okay, I have enough baseline knowledge that I can actually... I can, I'm actually in a boat where it is, what would Malcolm do? Like, I can actually answer that question. So when Malcolm is asked, like, hey, what do you tell about storytelling? I'm like, oh, he's going to talk about framing the plot, starting with the highest possible thing. He's got the story arc. And then I stop. And I listen. He's like, oh, yeah, you should frame the plot. And I'm like, oh, my God, I totally have this. This is totally great. But when you do that, what happens is you actually ingrain that into your nervous system. So now I've taken his 30 years of writing, compressed it into 11 days, and now I have it in a in my nervous system. So now when I'm when I'm presented with that question, I don't think like what Sharon thinks. I think like, oh, what is the foremost expert in this world think? So my, my whiteboarding, my brainstorming becomes much cleaner, much clearer, right? Um, and so I think that's super powerful. So I go deep on that. Uh, I've, this month in May 2020, when we're recording this, I'm going deep on this guy, Dr. Dispenza. Uh, Joe is a really cool meditation, kind of like woo-woo type guy, but he talks a lot about reprogramming your mind and epigenetics and things like that. But literally, I am sleeping better because of him because I, I am installing meditations in my head, which I never thought was possible. But I now I know, uh, you know, now I, actually, I can actually tell you what he's going to say next. And when you get to that point, so even if you watched, not that you ever should do any of my stuff, but if you watch like 10 or 15 of my videos and someone asks, say, how do you structure this? How do you work on scale? You will know that Sean's going to probably say one of these three things. And once you have that, you know what makes me tick and what's my kind of fundamental core belief. Once you have that and you can use that as your own, now you've taken insanely my, all my experience and you've compressed it and you've like installed it into your life, which is like the which is like the matrix, right? Mm -hmm. It's insane. And so, but when you're distracted and you're just swiping, 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 Gary, Gary, Grant, Grant, Jet, Jet, like it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And, and now it's too fragmented and fractured and becomes entertainment and irritation and distraction more than actually helping you grow in some way. That's super, that's super cool. I mean, I, I was just going to point out really quickly that I was like, like Dylan has working with a copywriter and I was telling him to do this exact process, but I couldn't like voice it exactly how you said it just now but now i'm going to tell them to come listen to this episode <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so in and and you you actually brought up some some good names of, of the influencers now from what you've done you you literally you 10x the company okay you did it for five years which is very very quickly and when people think of 10x they think of grant cardone uh -huh. um now grant's whole philosophy is that hey you, you set a goal you should set it bigger you should 10x everything right hire more staff do dump down in marketing do this do that now on the opposite side of the spectrum right we actually just had on our show um a, a couple like last month robert martinez who's also in real estate uh -huh. um and he actually said the opposite he's like hey listen right now in the economy um uh, i have not had to lay off any employees um, my team's thriving because we're prepared and we did not grow fast. We set a long-term foundation growing slowly because in the events that these happen, nothing comes crashing down. Mm -hmm. So there's two opposite ends of the spectrum where some people say, Hey, I understand 10 X, but you know what? If you 10 X too quickly, it can come crumbling down just as fast. And then others on the opposite end of the spectrum saying you should go big, you should go big. So what do you say to those two opposites? Yeah. So I think that, um, the two ways to think about it. First way to think about it is you want to separate the the message from the person. And not everybody's message is going to resonate with 
you, right? And so uh, I am more of a, I, I'm not a flashy guy. I'm more of a low-key kind of guy, but I like results a lot. And so to me, um, I have a, I always say, is there a, is there a middle road in this when I see a conflicting opinion, mm -hmm. right? So um, if, to, if, I, if I were to answer that question, I think any extreme, hey, you should do this, like any extreme, it, it gives me pause. Because I don't think that uh, so that there's some there's some very dangerous words that when people use right the first dangerous word is never never gives me a lot of pause the second dangerous word is always and the third dangerous word is like everyone and the fourth dangerous word is no one right mm -hmm. whenever you hear something with everybody nobody or everyone no one always never that's essentially what they're doing is they're trying to install a belief system in you. And so for the CEOs that I mentor, right, I will, I, I encourage them and I catch myself as well. I, you know, I say it's almost a, you know, a dollar in the jar type thing where, hey, we should never, never say never because what we're doing is we're installing belief systems, which we shouldn't do because belief systems are very bio-individual because uh, my risk profile, my capabilities, et cetera, are very different than your risk profile, your capacity and things like that. So for somebody to say, Wally should go 10X, but you know Dylan shouldn't, that's just not fair because it's, it's bio-individual. Uh, I like more of a framework approach as opposed to, a, uh, to actually execute on something. So my answer to that, middle of the road answer to that would be, um, test, invest, and scale, right? So I would say, hey, um, I want a proof of concept that this works because then maybe I can go raise money. Then maybe I can quit my day job. Then maybe mm -hmm. I can get a partner. Then, but I just want to, I want to know in my heart of heart that this works. So let me test it. Well, some people say just burn the boats. And I'm like, oh, that's fine to burn the boats, but I, I, I like, I have a family, I have kids. Like, I can't do that. So can I test? Can I test? Oh, if the test work, it's no different than like, this is as, it's as simple as a Facebook ad. Hey, I've never done an ad before. Awesome. Let me test. Cool. I tested it. It didn't work. No problem. But I'm going to give myself 30 days of testing. Great. 30 tests. Oh, one of them worked. Okay. Can I invest some more in, the, in, in that? Oh, then did the investment work? Great. I'm going to take that winner and that's the control that I'm going to scale. So for us, like for me, a lot of times it's, there's not a lot of businesses where I have actually had a chance to test Yes, invest. Yes, now let's scale. Like that, that, that the sequence of that happening is mm -hmm. is super hard to do, um, and and it doesn't happen often. You're going to end up like testing for three years, investing for one, and scaling for one. Like you don't need a long time to scale. You just need to figure out what you're scaling, right? That's why I don't like the extremes that much, because mm -hmm. uh, I think the extremes give me pause because the extremes don't take into consideration. Um, capacity and capability for risk. And so Wally's capacity for risk is gonna be very different than mine. My business partner, like I have a 50-50 business partner who's been my partner for over 20 years, all right? My business partner is 63. So his capacity and capability for risk is very different than mine. But his capability and his skill set is also very different than mine because he's seen the world a little longer, right? So. Um, because of that, we need to completely like, so when I bring him, bring our team an opportunity, he's like, eh, I'm not into it. And I'm like, Hey, I am. And then we have to like reconcile on it. Right. So, um, I'm not, uh, you know, kind of everyone, no one always, never those mm -hmm. just, just, I would, when you're coaching clients, I would watch that language. Cause it's not okay for us to install belief systems. It's okay for them to install their own. Like, so it's okay for me to take my journal and say, Hey, I will never curse in public again. That's okay because I'm installing a new belief system for myself, mm -hmm. but having someone else install a belief system for you with their language is not cool. So I would, you know, that's why when I see the extremes, I'm like, eh, there's probably a middle road here. Okay. No, I, I love that response. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and I know, I actually know, I see a lot of your stories. You, you've been posting some really good stuff uh, on your stories from like Gary V. And, um, you know, obviously we know the opposite perspective that, that he thinks on things. Now, somebody sitting here, they're watching this. They say, okay, Sharon, um, I, I do want to get maybe $4,000 a month, maybe scale to 40,000 or eventually get to 4 million. And I'm trying to decide what route I want to take. Now you have people who say, you know what? It comes to research first. The man who spends eight hours sharpening the ax will be able to cut the tree down in one hour. Right. And then you have the other end of, the, of the Gary V's who's saying, what are you guys doing? Wasting time reading books. Like just go do, do, do take action. 
right? And then you have someone like Ty Lopez who's saying, look, if you just take action and true north is this way and you're going this way, well, now you're just taking all this action and you're never going to get to the point that you're going to go. So where is the balance between actually before diving into something, doing the research, but not too much research and taking the necessary action and pivoting? Like, how do you find that balance between those two ends? And so there's no balance, right? And and it's it's, it's there's no balance. So but it there's always beating the control. There's always a test. So the fastest way to beat the test is to know that you are not your own consumer. Right? We build a lot of our products and our services with our makeup of our own avatar. Will will I Sharon like that experience? Will I Dylan like that experience? Will I Wally like that experience? we have to realize that we are not the consumer. We are not our own client. The faster you can realize that, the better. Most people have scaled, um, I call it phase one, kind of the phase the phase one of proving their business, right? Co- folks that had nothing, built a side hustle, got it going to three, five, 10K a month, up until the 10K a month range. If you're there, you probably built it you know, on just on hustle, grind, and personality. It's straight up on hustle, grind, and personality because you you got a referral from one person, you made that person whole, you kind of went above and beyond. Literally, your service was a six hundred dollar one time service, but you actually gave them sixty hours of coaching to get that six hundred dollars. And Dylan, you and I have talked about this. You know exactly what that that's like. So, so um, to me, the second phase of that is you've got to dial in your offering, and and I'm going to use this word loosely on cold traffic. And what I mean by cold traffic is I don't, I'm not the big fan of paying for traffic right away. I'm a big fan of sharing the risk on traffic. My, everyone is like, Hey, my offer works. And I say offer my offer works. I need to go get new people into my offer. The interesting part is this. Everybody thinks that they just need to run ads. Ads are the, ads are the last thing you should do. Like ads are really like ad takes so long to dial in. Right. And my, like I, 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 and I, like I have a, my copywriter who does a lot of the stuff that I don't write. He's like, well, I'm trying to get to 20 K a month. I'm like, dude, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to send one email to my list. Right. And we're going to get on a webinar. How much do you want? You want 10 clients at 2 K a month. Awesome. I'm going to send one email to my list. We're going to get 300 people on a webinar. I'm going to talk about the seven things I love about working with you. You're going to talk about the four copies you wrote that highly converted for me. And I'm and I'm going to say, hey, he agreed to d- take on 10 more clients at 2K a month. Um, and this is a six-month pilot. You'll never get this deal anywhere else. If I were you, I would sign up if you want this. Done. Webinar over. Like, that's what I would do. And I told him, I said, listen, here, what you should do is you should do that with me and do this with three other people. And for the first three months, whatever you make, you should just write me the check because I used my list, Right. But, but post you made it and I'm not, I don't want the cash, but what I'm trying to tell him is by the time you set up a inbound outbound funnel, by the time you set up a uh, LinkedIn chat bot, by the time, like, dude, we need to collapse time as soon as possible. Like I want to know now if my offer is going to work. I don't want to know after I spent a hundred grand in ads, if my offer is going to work. And then what people tell you, oh, you need to, you need, you need a break even offer on the front end so you can acquire traffic for cheap so that on the back end you can mm-hmm. sell them shit. Like, are you fucking serious? That is stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, I still have to come out of pocket and now, now, now I'm doing financial engineering on my Amex so that I run ads on the 13th so that I can, I can last 33 days before my next payment cycle. So I can stretch my payment cycle on my Amex. Like, I'm sorry. I have done that too. Like you can't BS me on the operator stuff. Right. I, I, I do that all the time, but that's not how this stuff works. The fastest way is to just get J- like, you just get the JV part and get someone else with the list and say, bro, can you, or can you do this? I'll, I'll, I'll not, I'm not even 50, 50 this with you for the first three months. I'll give you all the revenue. Mm-hmm. Dude, if someone told me and your service was good and said, Hey, do a webinar and I'll do this. I, I would do that in a heartbeat if their service was good. Right. Especially if it's my copywriter, I would do their stuff in a heartbeat. And he's listening to me. He's like, I don't understand. And I'm like, what do you not understand? Like I, I you, you want to make 20 K a month more in January, like in six months, I'm telling you, I can make you 20 K a month more in four days. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. Like, why would you not do that? Like go to your five biggest clients and say, Hey, I did a recorded a 15 minute video. Just email this video to your list and whichever client I get from that video, I will pay you for the first three months. That means you're, that means one, your offer worked because you have like, it's literally traffic that nobody, like they don't know you. Right. If it doesn't work on, like I call that endorsed traffic. Like if it doesn't work on endorsed traffic, it ain't working on cold traffic. I'll tell you that right now, 
right? That makes sense. So for me, it's all about saying, how can I go from my sphere, my network, making this work, then go to like, how can I get to endorse traffic right away? Because without endorse traffic, like I, this doesn't work for me. And and this, this is, let me give you guys the ninja tip here. You can't like, you can't just, endorse traffic is not just gonna show up today. Endorse traffic for today happened three years ago when I spoke on three high status summits for like for Jason, right? Endorse mm -hmm. traffic was me not asking for anything. Endorse traffic is like, you want endorse traffic in 18 months, you go on podcasts today. You go on, you, you get a presentation today and you go teach it in free Facebook groups. Like you need to build your endorse traffic kind of like influencer network today so that you can use it in 18 months. So you may not be ready yet, but I'm clipping the coupons from the last 18, 24, 36 months of giving. And that's why it's very easy for people like, you know, it's very easy for a Jason Capital, who is one of my best friends to say, eh, I'm not going on podcasts anymore. But he realizes that he's not, what he's doing today is sowing the seed for endorsed traffic in the future. And that's why it's super important. That's why like that, and, and I'm giving back, but at the same time, I know that, hey, I'm going to tag my wagon to some really awesome horses who I know are going to be rising stars. And then that that guy or that gal, Wally's going to tell me, hey, mm -hmm. I remember Sharon, you know, he didn't need to do this, but he came on the show. He made fun of me, but I'm like, whatever, mm -hmm. right? Uh, mm -hmm. but, 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 but at least now there is a relationship where you know that I did something and it, it it's worth its weight in gold, not just for one time, but I can bank on this relationship numerous times, right? And that's what's super important about it. Dude, I'll, tell, I'll give you a simple example. Three, um, I'm starting a podcast. My podcast manager has been like trying to get me to do this for three years now. And I'm just like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I, like, I just don't want to do it, right? And then he asked me, he says, well, what are you afraid about? And I'm like, I'm not afraid. I just don't want to like call in favors for people to come on guests and things like that. And I said, I just want to do a solo show. He's like, do a solo show, like get it up and running. So I start like recording my first solo show. And then I'm talking to like JC and a couple of people about that. And Jason's like, oh, dude, this solo show is a great idea. And then I ask him, I'm like, hey, do you want to come on the show and like share? He's like, yeah, whatever you want. And I'm like, wait a minute. That was not hard. So I just texted like four people. Hey guys, um, you know, hey, I'm starting a podcast. I only have five guests on in my first 20 episodes. I'd love to feature you and promote all your stuff. I don't want any affiliate. You know, I have decent audience. I'm just going to drive everything to you guys. Oh yeah, just just tell me when. And dude, like it was like that where I got, yeah, I got huge names on my, like Craig, Bedros, Jason, like with one day. I don't ever talk to these people. And, but it was all seeding the endorsed introduction. Like I'll give you a quick story. Bader Schoolian, when he launched his book, Man Up, Bader's is a super good, good guy. Uh, I'm on his, I'm on his company's board. Like, so I know his company really well. And it was like five of us, only five of us did like a huge book launch for him. Like we got him to be bestseller list with five people mailing for him. Five, wow. right? Five. And I never sold anything to my list. Like I'm not, I don't sell anything to my list. I pounded that book. Like I pounded that book because, and, and I got a text from Bedros that said, Hey, you like the four of us four on, on the text. Hey, you guys need to just pause your e emails and social. I'm like, why? It's like, uh, Barnes and Noble ran out of books. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like our, to our stuff totally worked. He's like, you need to chill out for a minute. And I'm like, dude, you turned on this machine. Like, like I'm a monster. This is what I do. But now my book comes out. January 2021 or whenever in Q1, I have zero problem asking for an endorsed, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a tit for tat. I'm just saying that I am more comfortable asking because we already delivered the result before. Mm. That's all it is, right? Baders would say yes, regardless, but I am more comfortable asking without feeling like I owe him way more than I owe him. And that when people get into the scorecard relationship, shit starts to break. So yeah. I would much rather like, contribute to the pot now. So you guys doing the show, getting people on, sharing, promoting other people, doing the testimonials. Like for those of you who don't know, Dylan like showed up one day, did a video testimonial for me and just sent it to me. Like that, nobody does that stuff. Nobody, right? Nobody does that stuff. And, and I, I'd be lying if I told you that that was not the beginning of the onboarding experience for our relationship, which is why I'm here to support you more, right? Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And, and, and so you're saying is 
you test, build your endorsing piggy bank over time, and then leverage those organic routes to test your offer first. And then you know if it works, then, okay, now we could try to focus on converting cold traffic. Correct. Exactly right. Gotcha. Which which makes sense because I remember too at, at HSS, uh, Joel Marion threw rocks at organic. He's like, I hate the word organic. Like, like, why would anyone do that? You put a dollar in, you get three to five back. Why would you not keep putting dollars? And in my head, I was thinking, but there's a lot of skills in order to make that happen that you have to go through. And yeah, then returning Joel, back, also, Joel also put like $14 million into ads, yeah. right? On day one. I mean, you, you have 14 million laying around. Have at it, dude. Like, you know, that's 100%. fine. But, but, and, and, but Joel, what Joel won't tell you is Joel, Joel grew, um, Joel grew the whole, like he launched an all of BioTrust on endorsed traffic. I know. I remember listening to that in his podcast and, I, and yeah. that's when it clicked. The same thing you're saying. I thought about that. I was like, wait a second. Joel Marion said he used all, he, he, he went to his piggy bank and asked yeah. for the affiliate offers first, totally. made a killing. And then I was like, man, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Well, now he used, he used the affiliate offers in the funnel to dial in the control in the funnel. Mm -hmm. So when he was able, so literally he, he dialed in his funnel on free traffic on endorsed traffic so he can put or he can put money into the onto the front end that's the that's what i want you guys to get out of this because he already it. has the data he already has the data on the clicks from the funnel before Correct. he even and he can make the tweaks necessary per email launch that everybody oh my gosh that makes so much sense that's genius <laughs> <laughs> like i if that's too high level for people i just want you guys to know that was a huge knowledge boner moment right there like that was that was worth everything Dude, um, and, and, and what, what people don't realize is if i were if whoever is listening right now if i were you um i would be on such a mad dash over the next 12 months to build or to build the biggest possible email list that you have ever built. So like, if you think you can build a 10,000 person email list, you need to build a hundred thousand person email list. Like that, I, I'm good 10xing that because all roads lead to the list and the list will drive everything. Like it is a build a list, serve the listing. Like we should be on, uh, I'll tell you straight up, right? Like for me, it is, I, I would, I am a, like I'm a list whore. Like I, I am, like, I, I will go on, I will go places. Like I'm like, ah, uh, I'm not getting paid to speak here. I'll waive my $30,000 speaking fee, but I get to speak to 10,000 people done. Like, can I, like, I'm like, great. Can I just make an offer at the end? And people are like, well, no selling. I'm like, no, no, no. Can I make it a free offer at the end? Because, and I won't sell them anything. I'll sell. I, I just want, you're not going to give me your list, but they are, if they opt in, I, I got them because I have good email sequences and nurture. It, it, the the if you can I'll, so I'll give you I'll give you and Wally an interesting story like this this story should blow your mind by the way so there is a there's a coach consultant in the real estate business in the real estate residential real estate coaching consulting business who she is better than me in almost every respect and what I mean by that is she's better looking than me she's uh, better on camera than I am meaning she has like the cool setup, the, 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 the low aperture lens, whatever that, like, I don't, I don't even have any of that. Right. She is got better skills than me. She's got better, um, language patterns than I do. She has several different work kind of experiences that she can leverage on better. She has, uh, she's technology savvy. She understands funnel math and she understands all of that. She, she's been a student of like internet and direct response marketing for a while. She calls me in tears, tears, right? And I was like, I love you. You have no hope. I didn't tell her that, but I gave her some guidance. No hope because she doesn't have enough of a cadence to build a list because of any kind. So no, having, imagine somebody like that is so good. And that is me saying that someone is so good. That means they're deep, like they're good, right? So good. But no following, like three, like 30 Facebook followers, maybe a hundred Instagram followers, maybe nine YouTube subscribers. And I'm like, you are so good, but nobody knows about you. And you'll never be able to get your message out. Never. It's too expensive. And no one will give you endorsed traffic either because you have no social proof on messaging. But if you had a list, like, you know, if I, if I need, if I want to try selling something, I'm like, Hey guys, I have this offer. It's 997, but I want to sell it to you for 297. Just for today. I hit one email. I can just sit there and watch Stripe for the next four hours. 
it's not a bad thing. What I'm saying is like I built the list and served the list for a while, but this person built their skills, worked on their skills, learned their skills, learned their craft, but completely ignored building an, an audience. At the end of the day, your audience wants to buy from you. Like that is an audience. They, they, they want to take the next step. And if they don't, they're not your audience. And we need to realize that we are doing our audience a service by selling them stuff. It, it, we, are, we, we are wrong not to give them an opportunity to buy more of our stuff. Like the faster you realize it, the less lazy you think sales will be, right? And you're not, you're, I know you'll make good offers, but, but dude, think about this person. She's hot, she's cute, she's smart. She's really tech savvy. She's got great skills. She's got great language patterns. She can do amazing on camera. She can talk with the best of them. She can talk me under the table on like structure, finance, all of that, but she will make no money. Like th is, that's weird, right? And that's because the, she has no list, no audience. And the interesting part is she will never build it either because like her, her brain's not built like that. And mm. I'm trying to get her to go there, but I, I, can't, I can't shift her. And she's like, well, I don't have the cadence you do. And I'm like, well, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, you think, I, you think I love waking up every morning doing four posts on four different social media mm -hmm. platforms and building a list? You think I like doing that? Mm -hmm. I should know, but I like having a, a really big list that's engaged. Okay. And, and so you, you said something very interesting there too recently. Uh, and, and for those that maybe they're listening to this episode, they're watching the live stream, they're thinking, okay, cool. Um, I need to build an audience. I need to build a list. I got to do it on the side. I need to get my endorsing bank. Um, but there's, there's so much things to get started now. Again, two opposite sides of the spectrum, right? There are people who say, Hey, listen, in order for you to get into a habit, it's better to do something small and consistent over time because you develop it into a habit. Otherwise, it's going to be overwhelming. You're going to fail and you're going to want to quit, right? The whole Bruce Lee thing, we've always heard it. Fear the man who does one kick a day for a thousand days. And then here's Sharon posting on social media. I got to get TikTok down and to do it, I'm going to post 10 videos a day for the next 10 days. That's 100 videos, like all in. And I was just like, wow, that's complete. Again, like, like, and, and I'm thinking, I'm like, well, if I, if I were to go and do that, um, which I finally, I posted my very first video, by the way, which took me forever to figure out how this damn platform works, but I got the Mylan going and the Mylan yeah. going. Um, but so, so what's your, what's your take on that? And, and, and why did you choose the route of just going, Hey, I'm doubling down 10 videos a day. Even if it's overwhelming, I'm just going to crush this. So here, here's what I've learned. And here's what I know. I believe that most people don't do something because they're just unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. That's, that's all it is. So give me, give you an example. So, um, we have no, when we get in, like you get in your car, if, if it's a car that you drive every day, like you can literally get in your car, turn on Bluetooth, put your headphones in, drink a cup of coffee, eat some hash browns, open a wrapper and back out of the garage without hitting anything. Like you can do that with your eyes closed. That's crazy because you have so much familiarity with your car. Well, let's say you go rent a car. It's literally a car. So you know how to drive. But the, the, the process of getting a rental car from the stall out to the freeway is like a nightmare, right? Because you're just like, well, where's the wipers? Like, where's the Bluetooth? Like, this is not fixed. Oh, I need to move my seat. I can't see. Like, where am I going? Like, all this. It's just, And it's not that you don't know how to drive. It's just you're unfamiliar with it. That's all it is. But then you drive the rental car for six days, and then you're like, oh, I'm good now. Like, you, you almost, it's like second nature. So a lot of times what I think about is, especially with learning new things, uh, I believe that we are in the age of pushing buttons. That's the age that we're in. I, you don't, not, I'm, I don't think you, Wally, and I ever need to write a line of code ever. Like we don't need to, like we can literally do whatever we want without writing a line of code. But if we can just learn to push buttons better, I think we win faster. So I, I was like, okay. I'm pretty good on Instagram. I'm 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 a, I'm good with my thumbs. I can do stuff, but I get on TikTok and I'm like, wait, this is this feels so foreign to me. Like I don't understand it, and I don't I just don't get it. It was dude, I'll tell you, it was the same exact thing on Snapchat, and I did not want to did not want to have happen what happened to me on Snapchat to happen on TikTok. The reason is. Like I tried Snapchat three or four times. I just didn't never got it. I just like warm. What am I posting? What is this ghost? I don't get it. It disappeared. I just don't get it. So I just quit. 
So I, instead of that, I said, okay, well, if I posted a hundred posts on TikTok, one thing is for certain, I just become more familiar. And if I became more familiar, then I'd have a better story around what I can can do, can de- can share. And I was like, well, do I really want these hundred posts to be over a hundred days? Like, why can't I just collapse time and just get familiarity faster? Mm-hmm. And if I get some public accountability around it, maybe I'll do that. And that's why I was like, it was not even premeditated. I was doing that when I did the live stream. I just did it live. I, it just came out of my mouth, and I'm like, oh crap, what the heck did I commit to? But, but I, but I, but I compressed the curve of, of, of familiarity. And as soon as you compress the curve of familiarity, you almost feel like you can do anything. And it's really, really empowering. And that's when the stuff gets super exciting. So for me, it's more just getting familiar with stuff so that I don't feel like I'm, I'm pushing buttons in an interface that I don't understand. Gotcha. And then once you get that familiarity, is that when you would kind of just, would you kind of just back off the pedal and then then focus on consistency now that you're familiar with the platform? Yeah. What, what, so think about this for a second. Once you get familiar, what happens is now you can think in workflows, right? Now I'm like, okay, I'm already creating this content over here. Now I can build a workflow for my team to take this, jump cut it, whatever, and then put it on, on TikTok. Since I, since I know what needs to be on, what's working, which of my posts went viral, I know that. So now I know what works so I can actually back end a process that can help everybody. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what most people do be like, oh, I'm just going to hire somebody to do my TikTok for me. That's what they're going to do. And then when they are on stage and something is wrong with TikTok, they're like, well, I just posted this video. I'm like, you didn't. You don't know anything about it. Like, it, you have no idea. And 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 lack of familiarity doesn't allow you to be a good guide, a good teacher, a good mentor, a good entrepreneur, because good entrepreneurs make good decisions. Great entrepreneurs tell you why they made mm-hmm. those decisions, right? And so when I get familiarity, then I can actually hand it off to a VA. I can hand, it off, I can hand off a bunch of workflows to people, and then I can get scale from that. Um, and that's, I think I'm trying to get to that because I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair to just say, well, you know, Wally and I are partners Wally, you're really good at pushing buttons. You do TikTok, and I'll like, no, I can't do that. That's not fair. So yeah. I love that. So what, what, one more question before getting to Q and a, um, so what's your take on, actually, I'm going to call, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you out Jake Tran. I know you're watching right now. So, um, and, but, but so Jake brings up a good point. And, and for those that know have been listening, right, Jake hit a milestone on, on YouTube. He's at 100K subscribers, awesome. right? Absolutely Congrats, killing man. it. Awesome. His viewership is absolutely amazing. And um, I was like, you know what? I want to I want to do what Sharon's doing. I want to test out TikTok and stuff. And 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 we were trying to do those videos. And he's like, man, the one thing, Gary Keller, like just just focus on one thing and then focus on it. He's like, why test out? I'm just going to double down on YouTube. And I thought about like, you know what? That that could be right. So, you know, what's your take on, on still like testing stuff out? Because on one end of the spectrum, you have people who say focus on one platform. And then you have Dan Fleshman who's like, you must be everywhere right? Be all over the place and stuff, which again, contradicting. So again, is it one opposite of the spectrum or is there a balance? So I, I don't, I, I think there's a balance, but I think more of a, so, so the, the world tells you where you should be, which is very interesting to me. And I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I, I tell me where I should be, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, 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 and the reason is not a, look at me, I'm egotistical. The reason is if I liked if I if I'm more connected to a platform, I'll just do more. I'll just be there more. I'll give more. I'll create more. And so, what I believe is that it'd be good to look at all the platforms and say, "Hey, like, what medium do you like best?" Like, I don't think about platforms. I think medium. And I think medium. What I'm saying is, "Hey, do you like video better? Do you like audio better? Do you like written word better? Do you like pictures better? What like do you like short form? What do you what medium do you like?" And by the way, most people probably won't even know this my favorite medium is actually audio like i love audio more than anything else my second favorite medium is writing my third favorite medium is video and that's why i don't even have a youtube channel like i I have there's probably some things on there but not a lot like i'm and i also understand that you know maybe zach right did did zach who was the guy that uh oh jake 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 congrats sorry buddy if I, I probably need Jake's help because I, I don't know anything about, like, I don't know anything about YouTube whatsoever, right? So I'm probably leaving a whole lot of dough on the table, but it's not been a, it's not my f- favorite medium. Gotcha. That makes and so, sense. And so I'd say if you know your favorite medium, you also can create around your favorite medium, right? And I think that's important. So I'll give you a very simple, uh, here's how. Content creation, like everyone is saying you need to be all these places. Like content creation to me is a little different. Um, I think there's two things that people should always think about. The first thing is, is it 
easy for you to do or is it hard for you to do? Right, that's number one. The second is, is are they, is your audience loving it or is your audience not loving it, right? So here's where people get stuck. If it's hard for you to do and your audience is not loving it, you should stop. <laughs> like that, you should stop because that's like me on YouTube. My videos suck and I get six views. Like I should stop, right? So, but um, here's what's really bad. If it's hard for you to do, but your audience loves it, people are like, oh, my audience loved that thing I posted on Instagram. I got 100,000 views in 17 minutes. Like, even though it took me four days to produce that and like I wrote that and I tried to create this image on camera, but they loved it. And that's okay, but that is the death of you. It is the worst. I believe we should get to what you love to do and what they love to consume. If you can know that right away, then you should only build that. And my goal on every platform, like I, my goal is to only figure out every post is an experiment. And my post, I'll tell you what I do. My post on that experiment is, do I, was this easy to do or hard to do? I, I, I know that. And then I look at the analytics and I say, did they like it or did they not? That's it. Every post is evaluated the same way. Finally, I figure out, okay, this post was easy to do. And they oh, oops, you froze him. Let's give it a second. Man, it was getting so good. Come on, audio. <laughs> no, no, let's give it a second. He'll be able to hop right back on. Let's go ahead, man. What do you guys for those that are here live right now? Um, put put in the put in the comments, man. Like th these are the knowledge bombs that he's dropping right now. I'm, I literally feel like this is like a, a high level mastermind call. Yeah. I've got, I've got a, a couple pages of notes already. Uh, Tons just, of notes. Just me just like jotting down. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I want to put that here too in the, um, let me, let's take some questions here. See if uh, Sharon's able to hop back on here. Uh, Soli says, build a list. <laughs> Joey shameless plug. Um, so we had some people up. Oh, he's coming back on. Let me hit show and stream. So what's um, what, what about a question? You guys have any questions? Yep, we got him back. Sorry about that, man. I had no idea what happened. No, no worries. Sometimes it's uh, it's 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 finicky, especially with the browser. Um, but no, that, that was awesome. So I'm just here reading comments and stuff now. Everyone's loving everything that you, you've shared. And I want to take a, a few questions. So if anyone has any specific question, right, I want to make sure I respect Sharon's time here. Probably have about another five or seven minutes. Um, what questions do you guys have in general? And, and I know somebody scrolling up here had asked about the uh, onboarding process that you were talking about. Oh. Uh, and it has a specific question, like, what does that entail? Um, and, 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 you know, and elaborate on that too, as well. So if you do have a, a sales force, would you say onboarding as in the representative just walks them through a process that makes them feel like, um, you know, at ease with their decision or it, it, can it even be something to where it's in video format on onboarding and, and they just go through it that way? Yeah. So, um, good question. So I know this, right. Uh, there is a very specific point from hey, this person's a prospect, this person said yes, now they're a client of some sort. Well, what does that, what does that mean? I want to essentially, I want to drag, from the time they say yes, I want the yes to just, in. they've said yes, that is the point in time where they love you the most. Mm -hmm. I want to just drag that delight experience out as much as possible. So yeah, I can say, hey, Sharon, welcome to the program. By the way, here's a, Here's our membership site. It has everything that you'll ever need. Have you know? Have at it. I'm not gonna do it, right? I'm, I'm just not gonna do it. But maybe is there? I, I think you can automate the whole process. Mm -hmm. But uh, I almost feel like I would I would put a timeline and basically say, all right, how do we delight this person for pick a day, pick for 11 days from the time they've said yes, and that may be. Hey, like I'll give you a very simple example. There is a, I, I think it's called a, 
hand rightly or something. I, I shouldn't need to look this up. But dude, there I we set up this thing, which was so amazing that we got comments for all the time. In our onboarding process, like no nobody believed me when I did this, but I had one zap fire that would automatically like get a a, a, a automated hand card writing service that would just auto hand card write and it would auto mail them at a pre-written message but it would come from like it it'll almost look like we wrote it and um and i and and i included like a 50 dollar starbucks gift card in there not a five dollar one right yeah and they stuff it for you but like if you got a 50 dollar starbucks gift card like you're like oh this is nice but if you got a five you're like Okay, my latte is like four seventy two, so this is weird, <laughs> right? But 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 that the interesting part is that stuff would just fire automatically. So small things like that, as they were happening, they kept getting delighted along the way. So what I would do is just layer in like a ten to fourteen day timeline of this person coming into your world, and what can you do every single day to front load the delight for this person? Whether or not they take the effort, like I am taking the responsibility. So, dude, I will tell you the simplest thing that we had one of our teammates do. Like, I'm not joking. Like, this should blow your mind. She had a she had a whiteboard behind her, right? Like, she was just she just wore and and she would literally turn around, write Dylan on the whiteboard, right? And and you could see it. And then and she would just write and then she would uh, do a screen share and she'd be like, um, "Hey, Dylan." I was thinking about you today. I wanted to make sure you had a good experience. What I'm going to do over the next five minutes and give you a one minute tour of everything that is on the site. That way, when you do watch your first video, everything will work great, right? So she, she, she said, and I wrote myself a reminder to make sure that I connected with you, screen share of the whole thing. And then she's like, all I need you to do after you watch this is click the button that just activates your account. And then you can watch the videos whenever you want. So every interaction makes them do one step and they keep going down the process. But when you personalize it in a small way, and then honestly, she'll get up, erase that, write Wally, and then mm -hmm. say, hey, Wally. And like, same <laughs> thing. Like, same that. thing. Right? But but the people will be like, oh my gosh, I talked to I talked to Christine. And like, I'm like, you didn't talk to anybody. She just wrote your name on a whiteboard that you saw was real. But you they loved it. And her job all day was just making, making. The, and so we just had like a 10 to 14 day process of delight. And then I'll tell you literally what we did. We had, so we had four partners, four operating partners in the business and the team, as soon as like a new baller producer would come on, right. They would put um, a reminder on, on each of our calendars, 15 days apart. So, Hey, Wally came on first check-in partner one, 15 days apart, partner two, 15 days apart, partner three, 15 days apart, partner four. And it would say, 15-day check-in, 30-day check-in, 45-day check-in, 60-day check-in, right? And it would have name, text, everything. And literally, dude, I would see, I would that day, would there would be a 15-minute block on my calendar that says check-in with Wally, 15-day check-in. I would click, I, I'd shoot a video. Hey, Wally, I cannot believe that it's been 15 days already since you joined the company. Um, I got to tell you how much I love, you know, having you, I've heard great comments about you. The only reason I'm shooting this video is for, is to make sure you know that we appreciate you being here. And if there's anything in the last 15 days that have not been delivered to you as a promise, can you just shoot me a message back and I'll take care of it? Dude, just a, just a video on my phone. I, and I just shoot it, click send, I'm done. They will turn around and be like, I had people screenshot my stuff and post it on social media. And I'm like, this is the easiest thing to do. But I had the person, I had my onboarding coordinator just schedule those out. But small things like that. So we had onboarding for 60 days. Wow. Like we would touch those. So think about that delight. Then that kept retention at an insanely high level, right? Plus upselling. I mean, you're keeping rapport with the prospect. So if they love the process and something new comes out, you're already so high level rapport with them that the follow-up upsell game is going to be next level. Yeah. And, and people think that you need to send them stuff. You don't. They just need... They just need the cadence of touches. That's all they need. They just need to feel loved during the process. Because think about this for a second. When a client joins you in some way, you think that they said yes and you impressed them. No, they, you didn't impress them. They felt safe mm -hmm. saying yes, right? They felt safe saying yes. So it is our job to validate that safety. That's all it is. All we're trying to do is validate that safety. That, like, that is the entire job. And every time you validate that safety with a little delight, they feel more comfortable that they made the right decision. Therefore, they'll tell everybody about, look at this amazing decision I made. They're doing this with these guys, right? So they're 
people will always talk about a safe decision that they made. The reason is that it validates their safety. Our job is not to impress them more. Our job is just to validate their safety. Mm. That's uh, that's amazing. So uh, I, I would definitely want to respect Sharon's time here as well, everyone. Um, huge knowledge boner bombs here in, in today's episode. I feel like this was an awesome mastermind call. Definitely, you guys have to apply everything he's talking about, especially with this being a community based on high ticket sales, right? The follow up game, onboarding, all that is crucial for what everybody here is is doing. And uh, Sharon, I want to hand off to you for any ending remarks, how people can follow you, where you would like them to go if they want to learn more about you. And guys, everyone, please, please follow him. Like I follow him on TikTok. I follow him on Instagram. I'm always, and in the past month, I've literally only been watching his content just because he actually delivers everything you guys are seeing right now. His stories and everything is all stuff that you can actually apply to your business, not fluff, not philosophy. So I wanted to say that in retrospect and hand it off to Sharon. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. So, hey, listen, I, I don't, um, I always like to kind of lead with the giving hand, right? So uh, I'll tell you guys something very quickly. I fought. Uh, a few weeks ago, um, I did this thing called the two-week MBA, which was um, 20 years of experience that I downloaded into 10-minute calls. And what I want to do for you is I want I've, I've not shared that with anybody except those that were on the call. We had thousands of people on the call. So I want to give you guys the two-week MBA. Essentially, it's these uh, 10 calls that I, that I did and uh, just give you the recordings to it. It's uh, the number two, twoweekmba.com, totally free. There's no upsell, there's no gimmick, there's no like, there's nothing. It's essentially, you go register and it just emails you all the links to the call. So it's the twoweekmba.com and just go get it and hopefully you can uh, get some good nuggets out of that. So if you like this, hopefully that'll be, that'll be good for you guys. So it's the twoweekmba.com, my gift to you. Awesome, thank you so much, I appreciate that. So everyone definitely check out twoweekmba.com. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the show. Definitely go back, listen to previous episodes and go back and listen to this over and over and over again. If you guys did not take notes during this live, you were missing out because th this was absolutely amazing. So Sharon, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate everything that you do uh, and the, the help and support you're giving everyone out there. And we you know, hope to have you on the show again in the future. You got it, man. Wally, uh, Dylan, thanks, thanks for having me. You guys are doing a great job. And, uh, Keep, uh, keep that piggy bank going, man. Appreciate you guys. Always. Thanks, man. All right. See you guys. All right. Stopped stream.